RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. About a month ago here at RCR, you might remember, we spoke to Marissa Bidois, the Chief Executive of the Restaurant Association, and we chatted with Marissa back then, I think uh, regarding bogus restaurant reviews and the impact they were having on some restaurants. Fast forward that amount of time, a month later, and uh, we're here now with the National President of the Restaurant Association of New Zealand, Mike Egan. And there are a few things to talk about that have happened since we talked with Marissa. So, Mike, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Okay, a couple of things. First up, let's get this one um, um, out of the way. Uh, people are so familiar with Wishbone. They recently went into liquidation. Anyone who's been in an airport or a hospital or downtown will be familiar with uh, that uh, distribution, that brand. So what broke the camel's back there, do you think? Just quickly a comment. Oh, well, it might be a, a number of reasons. Obviously, uh, COVID has a long tail and people um, not working uh, so much in the city at their downtown locations. I know, for instance, at the Wellington Hospital, they were flat out in some of their other locations. But, you know, interest rates have risen. Um, maybe leases came up with higher rents and, and there, it might be a whole raft of different factors that just sort of broke the straw that broke their camel's back, unfortunately. Okay. So is this something that uh, is being felt by um, others in the sector? I guess you'd have to have, what, multiple outlets to be kind of exposed like they were. Uh, there are chains, aren't there? But what, what's the pressure on the industry at the moment, considering inflation, cost of living crisis for people, uh, yeah, a clean out of some of the CBD areas of, of customers potentially. So what's the situation currently? Well, you've pretty much nailed the pressures. Um, but but we're an industry that's always been under those pressures. Um, we're, we're just in time manufacturers um, that have to be located in high rent in the city uh, venues. So it's quite an unusual business. You know, you think if you're comparing yourself to a traditional retailer like a shoe store, well, that, that they, they, they bring in their shoes from whatever um, container that comes from overseas or local, and they just sort of open the box and sell it. But but we're bringing in highly perishable raw materials. We're trying to have to guess what the customers will have every day. We open the doors and, you know, a 1,000 people might walk through the doors or 10 people, and we never know. So it is a pretty tricky uh, sort of resale business to run, but really it is a just-in-time manufacturing with a resale angle. You have to be brave by the sounds of things to be in that. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, you, you have kind to be of. foolish. But, you know, it, it's an industry that um, – allows you to have um, complete creativity as an owner because you, you decide on the decor, the uniforms, the music, the menu, uh, um, uh, 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 every every facet of it is is, is designed by, by you. So I think a lot of us get into it because uh, it's a great outlet for creativity. We're not good enough to be an artist as such, but but it's our little sort of palette that we can uh, draw what, what, what our dream is. And, and hopefully the customers see it and they walk in and say, hey, I'll have a coffee from you or a, a fillet steak or a um, a salad or whatever it is, and just but we need the you know every day um, we sort of open the doors and cross our fingers. Yeah. So are people, um, in terms of disposable income, if they're under pressure, are people jettisoning things like restaurants, or are they more likely to cut Netflix? Or I mean, how does it work usually? Is there any sort of pattern? No, not not really, because because when you think about it, though, restaurants are there, we're these public living rooms, and we're venues for all sorts of occasions. So yes, we are food factories, and you, you come in after work, grab a bite because you can't be bothered cooking at home. But we're also used for you know celebrations and um, commiserations and um, uh, courting rituals. 
and all sorts of different um, uh, aspects of society come in and, and choose to access our businesses for all sorts of reasons, not just sustenance. So we are a really important part of, and most societies around the world have, have a restaurant of some sort in their community. Yeah, I'm in Wellington and uh, at downtown, so I walk past a lot of restaurants, eaten quite a few as well. I notice consistently some have a few in them, others have a lot of people in them consistently. What is the the magic touch is what I'm always thinking when I see that, because I'm sure every, everybody tries their best, but there are consistently those restaurants venues that always have more people in them. I'm, I've always wondered what what is, you know what is that bit of magic. Well, that's right. We're a really interesting business because um, we're, we're, I said we're a manufacturing business, but we're also a little bit like theatre. So we, when you open your doors, um, everyone's really excited and, and they walk in and it's opening week or opening year um, and then you get a death by a thousand cuts. Maybe the owner goes to the head a little bit or, or they didn't quite read the market. Um, and so the, the ability to be able to concentrate on your consistency um, service after service, so lunch and dinner, lunch and dinner, 365 days of the year or how many days you're open. So we actually need, um, as an owner, you have to be sort of quite um, bloody-minded um, and you just have to be there every day making sure because the customers, it's a bit, um, you know, if, if they if they go there and then they come back a year later and it wasn't quite as good as they thought, then they go, oh, it's it's it's, it's not as good. And, and that's why... Um, if if you told me some of the places, um, I I could probably guess them that you think are really good and really busy, and and we'd all sort of agree. I mean, as you know, everything's a bell curve, um, and so you're you're talking about the the twenty percent on the right of the bell curve, but that's the same all around the world. You know, um, you can go to any city, and some restaurants there's a two month wait list to get in, and next door you you could walk in and, and get a table straight away. Um, and it's it's down to you know a whole lot of factors. It's the X factors. Um, the lighting, the heat, uh, the you know, is the restaurant warm? Um, is the greeting the same? And yeah, because there's nothing worse than you go to a restaurant and you talk to your friends to come to it, and two weeks later you go there and, and it's just completely the opposite of the experience you had. So we, consistency is a really key, and the bloody mindedness of the um, operator to be um, to keep that consistency and concentrate on it, service after service is the key, in my opinion. Are there trends or new things you got to keep an eye on, or is that again part of the creative process that is can come right down to the individual level, right down to the very venue? Well, well, well there's both to see um, because because people love, um, um, you know, I, I'm a, uh, a co-owner of a restaurant that's been here 33 years, Bullcott Street Bistro, you know, and we've got things on the menu that have been there 33 years and people love that. And then there's other restaurants that um, they are the new, latest, hottest thing and, and you want that as well. So I, I guess the market needs to cover all those aspects of it because we just can't have a whole market full of traditional restaurants and nothing exciting and new because people love to explore and, and we're an industry that's you know forever young and so new things um, open up all the time and then they establish themselves and hopefully they have longevity. Um, but we always need new kids on the block that, that come along and challenge the market um, because otherwise we'll get bored and we'll drift off, you know. What about um, staff having, you know, adequately staffing um, restaurants and hospitality businesses now? Because um, I'm I'm imagining that that sort of took a hit over COVID because a lot of people who visit this country come and stay in, in, the, in the country. Are what part of that workforce normally? Has that been That's the right. thing? And yeah, you cut so, that off. What happens? 
Oh yeah, I mean we were really short staffed, and um, you know over the last it was you know I've been in this business nearly forty years, and it was the worst I've ever seen it. But it, but it's come back now, um, and we're and we're getting um, you know we, we uh, uh, the provinces will always um, find it hard because um, it's really hard for accommodation. But cities like Wellington and Auckland and Christchurch um, that have really good um, student populations, there's always students that um, want to do you know fifteen twenty hours a week. Um, and and so you, you get that workforce of sort of um, great casuals. Um, but if you're in, say, you know, Coromandel or, or um, you know, even um, the Hawke's Bay, it's quite hard to get those those sort of um, that workforce that can cover those shifts. But but that's always been the way. Um, you know, Queenstown, you, you, everyone's heard about that because people can't find places to live because the accommodation's so stretched. Um, so yeah, there'll, there'll always be those issues, and and it happens around the world, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about time of year? Because we're coming into spring and then summer. What what's the more active time of year for eating out, or is is there not? It just sort of kind of no, no, no it, it is very seasonal. Um, we tend to find that you know when winter starts, the first big cold snap. Everyone sort of hibernates, and then people just sort of get used to it because they still they still want to have those occasions, and they still want to share, um, break bread with friends and colleagues and family. Um, yeah, so you get those, and then um, school holidays that they're great in some um, parts of New Zealand where um, people go for school holidays away. Then other parts of New Zealand, the cities empty out, and you know Auckland's notorious for. Uh, anytime there's a public holiday, everyone goes to their batches in Pawanui or, uh, you know, uh, Matakana. Um, but but places like Wellington where we don't have so many uh, wealthy people, um, we do really well in Wellington okay. over school yeah. holidays because a lot of people come here, um, go to Tapapa and things like that. So, um, and then obviously Christmas is a really busy time with um, companies taking the team out. So sort of from late November to sort of three weeks into December, a lot of companies want to reward their, uh, their their workforce with um, a Christmas lunch or a Christmas dinner, and so so that's a really good time of year for us as well. And there's a lot of awareness. And we know this because we have you know doctors doing regular spots on uh, Reality Check Radio, and uh, a lot of it's around diet, etc. It seems to be a lot more awareness now of nutrition than there was I don't know twenty thirty years ago back in the old the old days, as they say. Do you find that is there like a really a real awareness amongst customers yep. of nutrition yeah. and, and what actually food does to the body and the, the sort of making choices uh, related to yep. that knowledge. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep. So, so there's a lot of um, people um, have a lot more questions about um, ingredients and dietary requirements, um, and then you know you, you find that you'll put things on the menu like you'll put. Um, uh, a lot of women know they need to eat a couple of servings of red meat. Um, so you do something like a salad with a really with a really high quality protein in it, um, so they can get their you know three three servings of red meat a week. And and so people are much more aware of uh, eating healthily and portion control and portion sizes. Yeah, and ingredients is, is especially big. Um, you know we have to have big allergy, uh, ingredient matrices of you know what's got nitrate. Some people you know can't eat. Things with nitrates, which are vinegars, and then um, uh, can't eat vegetables from the nightshade family, which are like eggplants and tomatoes and things like that. So the, the amount of food knowledge that our staff have to have ingredients-wise is great. You know, 30 years ago, 
I think you might have got the old peanut allergy, but now... Um, yeah, I was just thinking, it's kind of take it or leave it back then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And if, you, and if mean, you had a problem, you were fussy. Well, yeah, I mean, you're lucky to get one vegetarian a week 40 years ago. Um, yeah, but but yeah. now you, you need to provide a lot more choices because people are making, um, you know, uh, lifestyle choices for themselves, which is great. So we just got to make sure that we can cater for them. And if we don't cater for them properly... Because um, what you got to remember is the, the vegans and vegetarians are very influential in a group. So if you get a group of six or seven people that go out for dinner, um, and my son's one of those, he's vegetarian. And if we go to a, a restaurant and there's only one uh, one vegetarian dish on it and it's got eggplants in it, well, he, he, he's not going to eat anything, you know. And so he influences where the family eats. So we, we make sure we go to a restaurant that he's got plenty of choice because we can eat anything, but he, he's limited. So um, he, he, if you don't cater for those um, those people, you, you'll you you will suffer um, a lot of a lot of uh, well, you'll have less customers than you should have. Yeah, I think uh, when we chatted to Marissa about a month ago, she um, also mentioned uh, some of the uh, issues around fake reviews. Oh and, uh, yeah, and how they can be really trolly and can really have an impact, which is really beyond your control, kind of. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there uh, are, and, and there's groups happening overseas where they're um, they are blackmailing the restaurant. So they'll put a whole lot of fake reviews up, and they'll say to the restaurant, uh, put the, "Give us some Bitcoin, and we'll take all these fake reviews around." Then they, they might put a, a hundred one-star reviews up on you, um, and then try and get money from the restaurant to take them down. Um, yeah, so so that's sort of growing in prevalence too. That's that's, that's a low blow. The, the, the best recommendation is is from friends, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that's what we, we we look at is you want a customer to go away and recommend your restaurant to everyone the next day at work, but they go to work and go, hey, I went to so and so restaurant last night. It was fantastic and fabulous. Blah blah blah. Um, and that's not a fake review, you know. And so yeah, the reviews you have to take with a bit of a pinch of salt. Um, yeah. So maybe not as damaging as you might think, but. Still not ideal, right? No, because what happens is, is uh, Google aggregates the reviews. So 100 one-star reviews will take your, your number down. And some people don't have the time to read through the fake reviews. They'll just see the, the, the final number. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's a bit hard like that. But, um, yeah, if, if, you're, if you're wanting to eat out somewhere, say yourself and you say you're going to New Plymouth, you, you'd probably ask some friends that, that – you know that like food and have gone to New Plymouth lately, and you go, "Hey, where would you recommend?" You know, um, and to me, that's always the best way is to get get, get friends and colleagues to recommend places. Version one point zero, word of mouth, right? That's what you say. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, you just said you've been in the in the business. I think what forty plus years. Yeah. Um, you must you must really like the business. Number one. Yeah. Is it what? What is it? Is it is is there like a, a satisfaction in in just hosting people and them feeling good? Is that is that what what the core yeah. of it is? It is. You know, I left school at sixteen and I started as a cadet for treasury, and um, and then soon realised that uh, being a cadet in an office for treasury, while well, it's interesting, wasn't for me, and got a part time job at the old local common co in Lower Hutt, and and then got right. bitten by the, the ability to make people smile and, and to really make people's um, occasions really special and, and and because you like it yourself, so you want to give the same sort of um, service to people. And you, you, people are spending really good hard-earned money with you 
So everyone that walks in, you just go, well, how can I make this really fun for them? And you, you become a really good judge of character because, you know, a group of businessmen that come in, you, you look at them and you go, right, I'm just going to leave them alone. They're obviously really serious. And then you get people that are travellers and they, you know, during the um, FIFA World Cup, um, the, 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 the foreigners that came in, they were fantastic to serve because they wanted to chat about New Zealand and they were really, they were interested in interesting people. And so the staff really loved serving them because they weren't just, you know, a local just coming in for a, for a dinner and then leaving. They were they were just excited to be in New Zealand and excited to be here for the FIFA World Cup. So those sort of people, um, you know, you, you leave them with an impression. And you probably yourself, you know, to me, a really good restaurant is uh, when you read a book or go to a movie, you, you forget the plot, but you remember the characters. Yeah. And so for me, going to a restaurant, I, I can remember restaurants because the service I got and the, and the waiter or the waitresses were so fantastic. Can't really remember what I ate or drank or whatever. But, but I can remember how it made me feel. And, and to me, that, that's a bit like a, you know, a movie or a book. Um, yeah, it's, it's the characters that are more important than the plot in some ways. What was the famous restaurant in uh, Toy Street? Romero, was it? Yes, El Casino. El Casino. Yeah, I remember going there a few times. And he was a character, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about him the other day. You know, he was 57 when he died. And, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but, but he was one of those restaurants. Yeah, I mean, his... His bolognese and his chicken parmesan or whatever it was, uh, or veal masala, I should say, was probably as good as anyone else. But you'll never forget going there and having a genuine uh, Venetian serve you and uh, madame and kiss, kiss your um, dinner partner's hand and he yeah. brought you to the table. And and so, yeah, so he was a character. Um, and the plot was, yeah, okay, that, the food was lovely, but, but really it was about the character of the place. And some serious players used to turn up there too. Oh, yes. Yep, and, and some current politicians that are, I always remember when Winston Peters used to go there and he had his favourite table by the fire and, um, you know, when he came in for lunch, this was in the days when politicians were allowed to go out for lunch because there, no, uh, there was no cell phones or um, no one spying on you, um, you know, and, and recording that you were that you were still there at four in the afternoon drinking red wine. Um, yeah, those were the days. But now, yeah. nowadays they can't get away with it. Yeah, no, those were the days. Great memories there. Okay, and is the future bright? Do you think it is? Do you think it is bright because oh. sort of clouds are on the horizon? But I suppose they're always on the horizon, really. No, you're right. You, you know, in a, in a digital world, we people crave um, sort of analog, analog antidotes to digital to digital worlds. And you've been sitting in front of your computer all the time, or you know, I read the other day that um, Zoom. The, the company that runs Zoom, which we're on now, are yeah. um, they're cancelling Zoom because uh, they're telling their staff not to do Zoom meetings because they're, they're losing that sort of real connection with their staff. Um, and I thought it was a bit of a joke, but it was the New York Times reported it, you know, and, and and people want those real human connections because, you know, that's what evolution did, you know. They, every time a village got to more than 250 individuals, according to the anthropologists, they would split out and do another village because you could yeah. have 250 connections. And, and, and people really, part of our DNA is that we want face-to-face. We want to see people and, and get all those nuances and those body language that we use so much to... to make our relationships work, and you can't do that digitally. And so analogue is, like I said to you before, we're, we're public living rooms. Um, anyone can walk in, and for the price of a cup of coffee or a meal or whatever, you can sit in a room with dozens or hundreds of other people, and you people watch, and you can just have all this um, stuff in your periphery, but it just sort of makes you feel human and that you're part of a community, you know.
And without community, well, you know, what are we? Just yeah, well, good question. Being. Not much. Yeah. Analog. I like it. Mike yeah. Egan, president of the Restaurant Association of New Zealand. Thanks for giving us a few minutes to chat. Uh, interesting to hear about the state of the uh, industry at the moment. And we may chat again. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Have a good one. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.